Hi friends, this is Dr. Michael Williams, and welcome to season four of the Diversify Empath podcast. For new listeners, or even those who are returning, this podcast explores how investing in diversity can lead to a high return in an investment in pathology and laboratory medicine by learning from the knowledge and experiences of diverse voices within our field. My next guest is Dr. Roberto Miguel Allers Velasquez. Dr. Alice Velasquez is a native of the sunny coast of Puerto Rico. He grew up in one of the best surfing spots on the island, Isabella, and earned his bachelor's in biomedical sciences from the University of Puerto Rico, Aguadilla. Not long after, he completed his post-bachelorette at The Ohio State University in Mays Molecular Genetics. His fascination with viruses led him to earn his PhD at the University of Toledo, working on cauliflower mosaic virus. While not in the lab, Roberto enjoys spending time with his fiancée, Francesca, his dog, Luna, and attempting to play the guitar, and when possible, some good snowboarding sessions. Without further ado, here's Dr. Alice Velasquez. All right. Hi again, friends. This is Dr. Michael Williams. So I'm here with another episode of the Diversify Empath Podcast. So I'm here with my next guest. So can you tell us who you are, where you are from, and your pronouns? Yeah. So uh, my name is uh, um, Dr. Roberto Ehlers Velasquez. Um, I am from Puerto Rico, from the home, uh, my hometown, is Isabela. And uh, my pronouns are he, him, his. Perfect. So uh, I'm doing a little something interesting today uh, with this episode and reaching out for um, those who are in STEM. And so I'm glad that uh, Dr. Alaris Velasquez is here. And I wanted to start out with getting your journey for towards going, getting a PhD. Yeah, so um, the journey, my journey in particular um, is... I feel like it was a very, um, it was it was a lot of work to get to the PhD aspect, um, just because, for example, you know, I I went to a small college, um, I went to a small college where there was really no um, research, like wet bench research, um, compared to other big institutions in in Puerto Rico, so a lot of the research that was being done there was mostly for for experience and to kind of get your your feet wet and understanding what research is so that was a little bit uh that didn't really work in my favor because you know when applying to grads grad programs in the mainland in big universities a lot of them at that time you know i'm talking about 2014 um Mm -hmm. they were all a lot of the institutions were looking for a lot of things including experience and you know my experience mainly came from summer programs so I was very fortunate to be part of different student groups and organizations in my undergrad that really helped me kind of kind of empower myself as a scientist and be like okay you need to do this and that and I had really good mentors who guided me along the way 
Um, so I applied to research summer research programs. Uh, one was funded by NSF, where I did a, um, a summer research in University of Michigan, where I did a little bit of biochemistry work, and that was actually my first experience in a in a in a, in a you know main big institution wet lab kind of mm-hmm. research. And that kind of, you know, before that, I never had any experience. Um, so research to me was still kind of like, you know, what what is research? Right. Um, so when I did that at University of Michigan and I started to kind of learn what what the process is and kind of like the environment, I, that something triggered in my in my head. And I immediately, like, um, I think I think it was, like, after the first week of working in the lab, I think I called my mom and was like, Mom, I think I want to do research. I think mm-hmm. I want to do this for the rest of my life. Um, and I even called my mentors. Um, I was like, you know, I called my one of my mentors and was like, hey, like, this is this what it is? Like, I just mm-hmm. feel like I am creating knowledge. <laughs> so <laughs> so, I, I, yes. so I was really excited. So I was really excited uh-huh. to be like, you know, I am – doing an experiment that is going to yield some results that no one knows and can be really, really profound and important. So that really empowered me, and I, I felt really, really good. Wow. Um, yeah. So yeah. I was going to ask, like, what, what got you interested in research in the first place? Was it something like when you were learning in school, or like what got you interested in, in, in that? So I kind of was a late blue, like a late boomer in terms of the the research aspect so i and you know and this is very much in a lot of the households in in puerto rico you know like you know most of the time you know people want their 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 you know sons and daughters to be engineers and and uh lawyers and stuff like that and Mm -hmm. you know all my exposure was that uh, even in high school, so I didn't really know what research was. I didn't know what re- I didn't know what a PhD was. Right. You know, okay. I I didn't mm-hmm. know what that was. Um, I knew that it existed. I knew that people were called doctors, but I was as you know as as in in high school, I was like doctors, but like you know, are they treating people? Like what is going What's going on? Right, right. Um, right. So I didn't know. I didn't know, and 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 unfortunately, my high school at the moment didn't really do like the best job at ex- uh, at exposing that kind of divide. Um, so I had no idea. And then I went to college, and my first year, um, we went to. It was like the. Uh, we were having like the meeting with the professors and all that, and one of the professors was like. Hey, so um, you can be part of this society, and you can do some ecological focused research. Um, and I'm like, ooh, like that sounds cool. So I started, I you know, I was part of this organization called Vida Marina and University of Puerto Rico Aguadilla. And we, and that group, it was, it was, uh, you know, it was a group that was based on uh, conserving the sand dunes in Puerto Rico. Um, so I started to learn a lot about, you know, why are sand dunes important? Why do we need to preserve them? You know, and things like that. So I started getting a little bit of exposure into the research aspect and what it meant. And then I met one of my mentors. Uh, you know, he unfortunately he passed away, and uh, but he was vital. I miss him very much. 
he was vital in my in my uh you know research awakening um so he you know we i i he introduced we uh, he was a chemistry professor and you know i took the i took the class with him and he immediately started talking about you know chemistry and all the different things that you can do with chemistry and how do you you know how do you apply chemistry and you know how the, the different research that can be done and then that guided me towards becoming a member of the ACS the American American Chemical Society well I was I was gonna ask um, uh, the process of, of going through PhD and I, I, I asked this question in this way like for those who again maybe in circumstances who of may not have known about that route or are interested in it and in, uh, in doing it, like college, high school students, maybe somebody who's thinking about going back and getting a PhD in, in, uh, in whatever, in the field of their interest. Um, what is that process like of actually getting the PhD and then being um, a granted and awarded the degree? Yeah, so so the, the road to the PhD, it can be... Um, very different depending on the field, um, but the foundation is pretty similar. Um, so, for example, if you do uh, your PhD in basic sciences, uh, you know, you have to essentially you start in some institutions, you're going to do a rotation. So in those rotations, you're going to kind of find a lab that aligns with your interests and then which which is uh, it's, it's really good. So, but some institutions don't do that. So, for example, I went to the University of Toledo, and in the University of Toledo, the rotation program when I joined was not really a, a thing that was uh, stated in the in the program. So, you would essentially email uh, or apply to the program and list what you're interested in, and then they pair you with a professor. Um, so... For, so essentially, when you're in your road to doing your PhD, if you're in a program that does rotation, that's really good because you get to find out a lot of things, right? You want to find not only the research, obviously the research is important because you're going to be doing your PhD in that, but also, which is extremely important, I would say is the most important thing when picking a lab or a research area is how do you fit in that environment? Are you in an environment that is going to support you? Is it, are you in an environment that is positive, that is empowering? Is, are you in an environment that's not going to make you feel, um, uh, you know, stressed to the point that your mental health can be um, put into, you know, can be sacrificed, right? So that's good. In terms of rotation, that's good um, because you get to learn all those things. If you go into an institution that doesn't have rotation, you run the risk that, you know, you end up in a lab where the research is great, but you're not in a good environment. Um, and that could that that can be bad, right? Um, that's not to say that you cannot change, because I've known people that have gone and started in a lab and just they don't really like the environment. They don't feel they don't feel it right. They don't feel that connection. And they have been able to switch um, into uh, a different lab. And that's possible. Um, but once you establish where you want to work, then it's a matter of kind of having a really good communication with your PI. I think that's vital too, because 
so many times when I was in grad school, a lot of the questions, one of the biggest questions that everyone was always asking is like, how do I know I'm making progress? How do I know that my PI is is finding my work satisfactory? You know, how am how do I know that I'm advancing and that I'm closer to achieving my PhD? So I think it's vital that, you know, you have a really good communication with your PI and establish that, you know, this is my goal. This is what I want to do. You know, what do you expect from me? I think that's such a that's such an important step when you're establishing a rapport with your PI is like what are you what are your expectations? Um, because that, because that way you also know, like if you're, if you're in a lab that you, the PI is going to really have high expectations and want a lot, then, then you know whether or not you as a person, and that's fine that you don't, that you cannot achieve that kind of expectation. And that's fine because, you know, sometimes it's hard and it's to achieve those expectations and it kind of, you would kind of sacrifice a little bit of your, 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 your mental health because you got to work a lot. Right. You know, that in this part of the story, there are definitely the parallels when you're going for um, any any advanced degree is basically finding out the, um, you know, the environment you're, you're working in. And I think it, it's important about the mental health aspect as well, too, about bringing that up, um, because kind of the same way, similar in, in, in medical school, for example, and I'll say in my experiences or in residency or in rotations where... Um, you can work with a very great team and like I think that aspect inspires you to say you know what like for example this field is great because I've had such a great experience with it and I'm going to stay away from this other field because you know I rotated it and I'm just saying I um, can I say the royal I I don't know if that's a thing Uh, (laughs) royal we I'll say we the royal we Um, basically like you know you rotated another field and you're just like this was the worst experience I've ever had I need to stay Mm -hmm. away from that and I think it does like the, the parallels are basically I'm assuming the same in, in working in a lab where um, you know you want to find somewhere that you're, you're basically building your future and you want to do it in a way that you're happy in the environment or environment that gives you the greatest joy so that that way you can do the best that you can without feeling um, the you know next stigma for going in and being feeling like I don't know what's going to happen how do I protect myself while also you know advancing science or helping patients in, a, in, right. in one way or another you know so you know I really did appreciate that because I, I feel those pile of parallels for sure and I'm sure there are people who are listening to the epi- the, this episode where um, they've been in those situations where they're just like this is just toxic and I don't want to be yeah, in this environment 100%. Um, and I think for some people, unfortunately, they, they feel like they're trapped or stuck because they don't know. It's just say like they don't know, but they're um, just in a, in, a, in a situation where they're just like, they have to deal with it for a certain amount of time before they can go. Um, so I, I just wanted yeah. to have that, that little segue, you know, to because to, I, I agree. Like, you know, I know. No, um, and, you know, mm-hmm, it's it's so important because, you know, and even like. Like, let's say, you know, I've known scenarios and I've witnessed scenarios where a student that's in a PhD program and it's mm-hmm. like, let's say they're like three years, three to three through maybe four years into the, the research and they really, the relationship has gotten really, really sour. Yeah. Um, I've known people that have just switched labs and continue and graduate and that's fine. Like you don't, you know, there's a lot of stigma and there's a lot of judging uh whenever mm-hmm. there's a student in a phd program that doesn't graduate in four years 
or you know mm-hmm. doesn't publish immediately you know it everyone everyone's journey is unique you know you can right. graduate at four years and you can graduate at six years you'll still be successful you'll still publish a paper and even if you don't publish a paper you'll still be successful you know because mm-hmm. mm-hmm. that's how research is research is not always about finding a like publishing a, and whatever you're researching is that your project is a success you know right. research mainly is about failure mm-hmm. um yeah so if you you know if you if you're if you're in that situation you know that and that may happen it's mm-hmm. fine it's fine you'll graduate and you'll you'll be successful so um you got through your um phd and then you became a postdoc and i was wondering if you can tell the audience um again i always love asking these questions um the role of a postdoctoral um professional in a research laboratory great yeah no so just to start, like a postdoc can mean uh, many things. Um, so you can be a postdoc in industry or you can be a postdoc in academia, um, but the goals might be different. Um, so, for example, in uh, so I followed the academia route. So I'm doing a postdoc in a lab in academia. And as a postdoc in academia, your roles, depending on what you want, um, is to essentially get your training to become a PI, to become, to lead your own research group. And the, essentially the, the concept of a postdoc is to fine tune your research skills, but also fine tune how do you sell your research. Because at the end of the day, we have a system where if we want to study a, re, a, a problem, we need to find the money to fund that research. So we have to be essentially really good at putting together a plan, a proposal, and be like, this is really interesting. This can be very important towards any kind of field, either it be medicine or or translational plant sciences or what have you. This is very important. You need to fund it so that we can make advances in these fields and enhance our living. Um, so a postdoc is essentially a way, it's a segue into learning how to write the proposals, sell your research, become very competent in the critical thinking and establishing your goals, and then kind of be independent. So for example, in my situation, I'm in a lab where, um, you know, everyone is, everyone helps each other. Everyone knows what they're doing and everyone's is pretty independent. I myself as a postdoc, I established the research problem. Like I, you know, I had my conversation with my PI and he was like, this is, this is a question that we, we might be, you know, it might be very important to pursue. What do you think? You know? So I was like, oh, well, you know, that's, it's, it's something that hasn't been asked, hasn't been looked at. Let's develop it. So my goal has been to develop this problem, develop this question and try to find out. Um, so it is my duty to kind of, provide the data and establish a research program that I can take with me and establish a research group. Awesome. I like that. Um, <laughs> what I say, I say it like that. <laughs> I like that. You know what? No, it's awesome. <laughs> it's great. 
Um, <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. and I cannot speak. I cannot speak for like the postdocs in industry because I don't have personally experience with that. Um, and there's oh, and I also forgot to mention like there's postdocs in and orga and in the government as well, like you know the CDC or USDA. Mm-hmm. Um, I personally cannot speak on on like you know what really is the experience on that but there's many types of postdocs it just really depends on what you want to do gotcha okay and and i I actually wanted to segue um into the your current field and i wanted to see if you can let the audience know what got you interested in being a a herpetologist yeah. Did I say that so, correctly? I hope I did. Happy virologist. Yeah, 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 yeah. I fucking No, it so... Okay. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, okay, you didn't. So. No, no. <laughs> you did great. Yes. No, no. So, so my journey was... If I tell you how I got to this point, you, you know, you'd be like, ah, how, why, how, why do you change so much? Um, so I, I feel like I have to talk about how I ended up and the different things that I studied. So mm-hmm. when I graduated, I couldn't get into grad school because I mentioned before, like I didn't have the, that, that at that point in time, I didn't have the GRE scores. I didn't have the experience. So I was like, okay, I need to go and get more experience and become more competitive. So I did a year post-bac. So, and this is something I want to mention to anyone who's thinking about grad school. If you're not sure, you can always do a post-bac. You can always do research for a year and see if you like it. If you don't, great. You save yourself the trouble. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did a post-bac, and I studied uh, corn genetics. I studied maize genetics. Wow. So, okay. yeah, okay. so I studied, so I, I studied, yeah, yeah, so I studied <laughs> molecular genetics in corn. So, and the whole, um, the biggest reason why I did that is because I needed, I needed the web bench experience. I needed to develop my critical thinking because I was already lacking behind from a lot of, com- a lot of applicants, right? A lot of applicants mm-hmm. in this big, big schools already have that. So I did that. I was presented with an opportunity to do research in molecular genetics. And, we, and I was studying in that lab how to, we were trying to study how to regulate um, a biosynthetic pathway of a molecule called anthocyanins. So just to put it into uh, layman terms, you know, anthocyanins are present. If you look, let's say, if you look at uh, like the purple pigmentation in leaves, or in fruits, or like the, the, the pink pigmentations, those are anthocyanins. And there are beneficial um, uh, aspects of anthocyanins if you in, uh, include it in your diet. There has been studies on how, you know, in, uh, you know, having anthocyanins in part of your diet can increase, you know, um, can lower heart bl- uh, blood pressure and many different um, physiological benefits to it. So we were trying to study that in corn because if you increase that in corn and corn, essentially when you cook it, mm-hmm. most of the benefit benefits are gone. You know, when you mm-hmm. make your corn, you're eating essentially empty calories because you bake, you, you cook all the things away. Um, mm-hmm. So we were studying how to regulate that, how to make the changes to uh, further enhance the production of anthocyanins in corn. 
So that was my deer journey where I studied that in ye- I, st- I did a lot of genetic genetics and yeast to understand these kind of things. Mm-hmm. So then it, get, it got to the point where, it, when, you know, it's been a year. I've got the experience. Let's apply again. Let's try to get into grad school. My interest has always been virology. Always, always, always. Ever since I did my second, I did a second summer research before graduating, and I did it in varicella zoster. And so this was a herpes virus, herpes virus, right? So, and uh, I did it in the University of Colorado in Natchez Medical, uh, a medical campus. And I did it, I worked with a PI who, to this day, I still communicate with him because he was so vital in, in, in making me just love virology. The way that he taught it, the way that he was always excited about science just like completely enamored me with mm-hmm. virology. So I was like, I want to be a virologist. I took virology class after when I after that summer in that term I took virology I did amazing I, I got an A it was great great experience um, so I finished my post back I need to get into grad school I needed to study viruses I got myself uh, admitted into you know I worked to getting into the PhD program at University of Toledo where I worked mm-hmm. with plant viruses so I worked with cauliflower mosaic virus and for those that, that don't know, uh, cauliflower mosaic virus is a, is a, it's, it's a virus that infects a lot of the brassicas and, you know, things like cabbage and uh, turnips and things like that. Um, <coughs> and with plant virology, you know, a lot of these viruses, there's not a way to control them um, because there's not, there's th- th- either there's not the technology that has been developed or not enough, the, or not enough research. So, for example, with cauliflower mosaic virus, the only way you can get rid of that virus in a crop is to essentially destroy it. Mm-hmm. So there's no way to to there's no way to clear that virus, um, and it can be transmitted through aphids. So that's essentially like the mosquitoes of the plant world. Okay. So, I did my PhD in in, in plant virology, and I learned a lot. Um, with my PhD advisor, he, you know, he was, it was one of those advisor advisors that would be like, you know, this is your, this is your project. You think about it and, and I'll help you as I can, but you're, this is all you, you develop the technology. You, if you're interested, the project will move. So, so I did my PhD in, in cauliflower mosaic viruses, um, and I was like, viruses are amazing, but I wanna, I still had that inkling that I wanted to go back to my experience with herpes viruses. So, so because of my such a great experience that I had with Ravi, so I studied that. Um, so I, I was in applying for postdoc programs, and um, I saw that there was a, a, a job posting for the lab that I currently am. And I work in uh, the lab of David Lieb in Dartmouth. And for those who know about herpes virology, you know, know, David Lieb is is a very well-known herpes virologist. Um, So, you know, I was shooting for the stars. You know, I was like, oh, if I'm going to study herpes, I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get, I'm going to try to study, you know, and learn from someone um, as, you know, as David, as David Lee. Mm-hmm. So, so, you know, I applied and I was very, you know, when I got the email bags, like, Oh, let's have an interview. You know, I was like, Oh, mind blown. I was like, all right, right. let's go. Yeah. But the biggest thing, right. Is, you know, even though I could, I could want to study 
a different system all I want. But again, I still had the training in plant virology. And unfortunately, a lot of, a lot of PIs, when they're looking for postdocs, a lot of them look for postdocs that already have experience in the system that they're studying. So mm. I am, so, you know, when I was applying, I definitely made it, made sure to communicate that, listen, you know, I am not a trained in animal virology. Mm-hmm. You know, I am mm-hmm. not a herpes virologist in training. I am a virologist. I understand how to critical think, understand how to do techniques, and I understand how to approach problems. So, you know, it's going to be a challenge, but I mm-hmm. want the challenge. As you see, you know, I jumped from, fiel- from, from other fields and just developed. Um, mm-hmm. So I made, it, I made sure to communicate that. And, you know, I'm forever grateful to, to David to have given me the opportunity to, um, you know, just develop myself as a herpes virologist. And mm-hmm. he took the chance on me to teach and give me the space to learn and establish uh, a research uh, question and establish my, my, my research. Um, so, yeah, so that's kind of like the, the journey, yeah. I love it, you know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, you know, because I, I think if, if they could just, you know, if we can kind of take a step back, um, yeah. and I always, always find parallels in, like, the other people's journeys and my journeys. Like, you know, you started off with not having the, uh, um, you know, getting summer programs and getting the some experience in research and then basically making your way through and uh, being a postdoctoral, um, uh, being a postdoc, I should say. And basically, mm-hmm. like, making your way through, through different avenues to basically get to where you're at now. And I think it's it's important, you know, to discuss that because of the fact that we are, I don't know, it seems like when you start off on a journey, like, it seems like it's to be very straightforward and linear and never curve or B, jagged yeah. or, you know, it should be a very linear straight A, point A to point B um, um, journey, which is, it, it's not. And I think one of the things that I've learned along the way, and, and maybe for you too, because you were just in it, you know, and trying to find, and getting your way through and getting the experience that you need, um, to, to proceed forward is that it's really probably better that it's not a straightforward journey and like how we learn you know along the way to basically make ourselves better um, make ourselves you know our meaning of things deeper um, mm-hmm. more widespread than it would have been if it was just like oh okay here you go and then you know that's right. about it like you know that point where you, when you were going to your PhD and your advisor was like, you know, like, hey, so <laughs> what do you want to do? You know, what mm-hmm. what is it? Like, how are you going to approach this problem rather than everything set up? Just, you know, do something. Right. And here you go type thing. And I'm not saying that's how it is. Like, that's not I'm not saying that's not what it is in general. I'm just saying, like, that's such mm-hmm. a great way of, like, how you can work with somebody who's your mentor, advisor, and how they basically push you, um, you know, and then how they how they can help you grow and prosper, basically. Right. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. and I think it's so it's so important because, you know, and that's not to say that, you know, if you go into a PhD program and you're handed a project and you develop that, that's not to say that that's not bad and that's not you're not going to be successful. But but I, is there some there is something to say about how some PIs are like, you know, this this is these are the th- questions that we ask. Are you interested in these questions? Or do you want to develop mm-hmm. something new? 
um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. because that definitely will tell you whether or not you're you're you know what kind of you know what kind of path you want to take. Um, right. And it definitely challenges you, right? You know, it definitely challenges you because you one you don't know what you're you know you don't know what you're doing. Your PI might not know what you're doing, so it's kind of like you have to develop so many things. You have to network to try to yeah. find out what you're doing. You have to you have to study a little bit more to try to figure out what you're doing and how to a- a- answer those questions. So it mm-hmm. definitely develops you as a person and as a scientist. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, it definitely applies a lot of development in terms of, you know, you know, networking and research and critical thinking and, and all this. Yeah. It's, it's so interesting because, like, I think, like, in, in you know, and the audience may or may not agree with this, but in, in like, medical school, like, you go in and, um, and maybe this is, like, how it was the first um, year or two when you were doing research classes where, you know, you had assigned classes that you had to go through. You basically were going through getting grades and you were mm-hmm. graded on how well you did on the exams. And then, you know, it, it, for us, it was like we had specific rotations like medicine and family medicine, internal medicine, surgery. Um, mm-hmm. And then we go to residency and things are kind of in a way just structured based on the rotation we're getting. Um, and then it's like afterwards, you know, you go into fellowship and it could be very rigorous, but also in a way structured and you become an attending it's like wait <laughs> you know like right. you're basically like finding out like okay there's much more like mm-hmm. you know wiggle room of things that you can do but there's also so much more responsibility and stuff like that and i think for some right. people it helps or other people it's like kind of um um maybe i don't know takes a step back because of the fact it's like you're subconsciously so used to having things done um or, or scheduled for you that when you're like now independent, it's like wait, like you have to take a step back and look, like wait, um, wait, why isn't this like you know a certain way? And you're kind of having to like adjust yourself to right. like not having schedules. Where I think it sounds like you know in comparison or in contrast, especially for the PhD route, where it's like you're basically having this time and you're putting in as much as you can, basically because you're the one developing your your way right. through. Um, which is good, and I, and I think I wanted to like. Um, before I go on to other questions, I, I, I like for the podcast. I actually wanted to ask you about, um, and this is for college students again, or high school students, or people who may be thinking about going back and getting uh, an event, a PhD um, in in a, in, a, in a field that they're interested in, um, about the opportunities of of getting a PhD. I know you talked about like industry and academia. We had a little uh, discussion about that. But in general, can you, from your experiences, give a, give um, thoughts about what kind of things people can do? Sorry, what kind of opportunities oh, people yeah. can achieve with the PhD? So it's that's a, such a great question because if you would have asked me in when I was graduating college, I would have said academia, industry. Those are the two things that you can mm-hmm. do. Uh, but now, you know, you know, we're in 2022 and, you know, thankfully, you know, by talking to so many people, there's so many opportunities for people with PhDs, not just academia and industry. You know, you can do things like um, you can be like a like a UX researcher. You can be, which essentially is, you know, for people that don't know what UX researchers do, they essentially study the market um, and then to kind of tailor, you know, the different informations for a company to make it more attractive to the users. Um, so that's kind of like in layman terms. Um, mm-hmm. um, 
and then, but you can do things like you can be a medical liaison, you know, um, uh, you can be uh, a consultant, you can be essentially anything <laughs> that you would want to do. Like, even if you wanted to work uh, in a company, um, not necessarily industry, but like in a consultant company or even in a patent law, you know, most the biggest, the biggest gain from a PhD is the critical thinking aspect you're mm -hmm. in the philosophy aspect right it's it's a it's a philosophy doctorate so you are being taught and trained to think and to go deeper into the 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 topics of different things so you know you put someone with a phd of any any area and you put it into a, a specific situation um they're gonna they're gonna think critically critically about any problem mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. yeah you know you can be there's so many things you can do you know uh, i see a lot of people that work in as um as consulting and a lot of people that do social uh like so, uh like uh scientific communications you can be a medical writer you can be a a a, a, a editor uh mm -hmm. you can essentially anything that like for example in basic sciences anything that has to do with basic sciences you can do that but also in in a different area and if mm -hmm. it's market research or whatever you can do that you can apply your critical thinking and do that gotcha you know and so um i wanted to transition um to uh back from you know your background being in puerto rico and i wanted to um ask about maybe microaggressions that could, that may have happened to you during your route of, of training at any point or other, I'll leave it like yeah. that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, unfortunately, and, I, and you know, it, there are a lot of institutions that are, you know, for, for lack of better terms, the, you know, it's a primary white institution. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, for example, you know, to give to contrast, I worked at... I worked at you know I, when I worked at University of Michigan, mm -hmm. um, there was there was diversity there were, and you can tell there was a lot of uh, different cultures and, and different you know there was definitely a Hispanic community there, um, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then I worked when I worked at Ohio State there was you know there was a strong diversity in Columbus, um, you know a lot of a lot of I I got through my first year out of Puerto Rico, thanks to having such a diverse community there, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. Um, but then, you know, unfortunately, when, you know, in some institutions, it, it's, it's the diversity is very little. Um, and there's many factors in that. But, you know, when I went to the University of Toledo, just to give a perspective, I, I got in there in 2015. I was the only Latino student in there. The only Latino student in there. Um, mm -hmm. And there, I mean, thank you know there was there were there are there there was another Latino uh, faculty um, in there uh, in the in the program. But obviously, you know, you're a Latino student. It's a, there's a different power dynamic, right, with between a, a professor and a student. So it's not like you know you can go and be pals right and, and mm -hmm. just and 
do things that you would do with a, with another student that is let's say a first year right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so that was definitely kind of like a culture shock because it's my first time in a place by myself with no latinos nearby mm-hmm. um and in the institution um and unfortunately you know the road of grad school is very and not just grad school like any of these you know like even an md it's pretty isolating right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um so when you're facing a you're in an environment where diversity is low you know it's 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 depending on the person it can be very very detrimental um so to start that off you know i was in an institution where diversity wasn't as high in terms of the latino population um, well, in my department, like I said, I was the only one. Um, so, you know, they, I didn't personally in that institution, I didn't personally got, I never was faced with like strong racism, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but I could definitely tell that there were some microaggressions, right? You know, and again, you know, with a lot of these things, it's kind of awkward, so you laugh them off. You're like, ha ah, sure, that's, yeah, yeah, that's funny. Um, mm-hmm. But, like, you know, I've definitely, you know, for example, I'm Puerto Rican, right? Mm-hmm. Culture in Puerto Rico is very different from culture in Colombia, from mm-hmm. culture in Mexico, from culture in Argentina. So, you know, I, I've, I've had, in co- coming from either grad students um, or, or, different people in the in the in the department where they would make assumptions that because i'm latino i like 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 for example just to give you a clear example that i love that i make the amazing tacos and i love tacos right um and you know like sure you know at the beginning you know it's it's fine like i obviously you know i don't take it personally because i love i do love tacos but you know as a puerto rican like that you know having that assumption that you know that you know everyone in in latin america loves tacos and that's the their that's the main thing you know that's that's an assumption that you should not make mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. because every culture is different everyone everyone has their 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 thing right um and i was definitely and aside from that i there was i've definitely been faced with situations where i, I felt like i was definitely treated a little bit different um so, for example, I have this memory ingrained in my head um, because I was presenting a poster. This was a poster session in the in the in the department, and there was this PI who just I don't know. It you know you could I feel like you could tell the the way that he hand that this person just handles situations, um, but you know I was the only plant virology lab in the department so i read mm-hmm. is i was already under a little bit of judgment for lack of a better term because everyone else was studying cancer or things like that so there was you know even grad students would be like oh you're studying plant virology like who cares mm-hmm. so there's there was already that kind of like judgment so i always always even after graduate I, you know before graduate i always felt like you know i was always looked down upon you know i already had that under you know, I was always judged and kind of be like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about. Um, 
so I was presenting this poster, and you know, I was this was like I don't know my second year, um, and I was still developing my program, like my my research project, and I had this PI mention. It's like I think I was like after my qualifier actually. This was like maybe my third year, and after my qualifier, and for those who don't know, like in PhD, you go through a qualifying exam to become a PhD candidate. Um, and then after that, you can just you can establish your, pr your research project and graduate. So after I passed my can my candidacy exam, I had a professor say, you know, with this research, you know, you know, I think that maybe it's better if you just drop to masters and go. Wow. Yeah. And I, you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. And and but you know what made me mad. It was that this professor didn't say that to anyone else, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know. So it's like, oh, maybe you can, you know, with this research, you know, maybe you can just drop down, go to masters, just to go, just go away, you know. Mm -hmm. And I was like, I, in my head, I was like, okay, well, first of all, that's that's kind of shitty to say. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> so mm -hmm. like you, that you don't say that to a grad student ever, like that. No, big no, no. And then, def you know, thankfully, I was, I have the mentality that, you know, I'm always down to prove someone wrong if they're going to doubt me. Mm -hmm. So I was like, okay, all right, no taken. I'll see you in graduation. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so. I'm um, sure you did. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And you know what? I still, to this day, I still think about, you know, rent free in my head. It was like, you know what? I made it far and no thanks to you, you know? Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, so, yeah, I faced that. Yeah. You, I, you know, applaud. I'm so glad that you are, you know, you got that. I feel like it's very interesting. Again, we, we and I was, you know, talking to um, Dr. Eliza Lesquez before um, we started a podcast a recording about, um, you know our journeys and where we're at and stuff like that um and finally <laughs> getting you know to to the point of of the degrees and i'm just like you know like and i just say my experience like when i applied to med school i didn't get in the first time and i thought that was like soul crushing and then um and all that and here we are now you know we're basically right. here where we're basically where um i seem to say basically we are here where we are you know thriving in our own ways and still finding our way even after being granted these these um these degrees um and being able to go forward and I, I think i wanted to actually transition i use the word transition a lot people <laughs> <laughs> it's literally um, what we're doing it is right? <laughs> i wanted to i wanted to talk about like your experiences um and uh and, this, and then so okay your experiences and i, I think I, 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 it's a variation of a question that I asked about mm -hmm. what does it mean to be a Latino in science? Yeah, no. So that's a, it's a very, it's, it's, you know, when it's, it's a very good question and it's hard to answer because for example, like when I was growing up, all the researchers, important figures in research are all you know, they're all male white, right? Mm -hmm. So, I, you know, I never had that, like, kind of like that, that role model when I was, uh, you know, as, as even in college, you know, at the beginning of college, it was like, you know, brilliant people in research that are Latinos. 
And it wasn't until college that I, that that you know I was introduced to these amazing minds and and but still like you know important things that in research a lot of them you know it's it's hard to find a role model in in the research environment where they're Latinos and be like I want to be just ex- exactly like that person or just mm-hmm. I want to follow on their footsteps you know like that mind is brilliant I want to learn Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, as a Latino in STEM, you know, I think that for me, the importance is, is to establish a groundwork, um, or help or in benefit the, the, the established le- uh, groundwork to make other students or anyone else who's interested in research to be like, you know, if that person did it, I can do it too. Mm-hmm. If that per like for example, you know, you know, as a as a Latino that went to a small, you know, went to a small college in Puerto Rico with with very limited resources to now being, you know, a postdoc in a big institution, you know, sometimes I have to step back and be like, you know, I've made it I've made it far. I've I've pushed through and I've made it far and I know that someone else can do it. Mm-hmm. You know, and to me, that's important because we need more. We need more exposure of mm-hmm. people that are re- underrepresented minorities to know that they're there and that it can be done. Um, so to me, to me, that that's what it means to be a, like a Latino in STEM is mm-hmm. that I can be proof that no matter where you get your education, no matter what challenges you're being faced you can achieve what you want and get to the de- and get whatever job you want and do whatever you want to do mm-hmm. um and that you know there's going to be challenges but you know we have to push through and gotcha. i just want to be living proof of that so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I got inspired i was like yeah, <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Um, I, uh, <laughs> yes. Um, and so it is so it is it's very inspiring. I think that uh, again, like when I have people come on, I always just like hear their passion about what they want, to, like how they, you know, go forward. I think one of the things that I'm delineating is the fact that yeah, we are professionals in um, various fields, but also we also think about how we want to do things for others. Um, who are coming behind us to help us help them, you know, get mm-hmm. something. And whether that whether that be just seeing another person who looks like us, like for example, um, and I, I, I like in medicine, like when I see um, another like like when I was doing medical school or even in residency, and I seen another black physician, it was just like like black resident, it was just like oh wow, like you know you made it too, mm-hmm. like wow you're on yeah, the other side. Yeah. Wow, yes, it's like yes. so awesome to like see this and like yes. you know, and then residency and you know training happens and so we're in different programs and but you know that that one moment where you like wow like you know why is it that it's like it's it's I don't know like seems like this this like this mountain that somebody else has to climb and then you're just like oh, you too you made it over like <laughs> and you know what's the thing like it should yeah. you know what's the thing like it shouldn't be that way right like mm-hmm, it, you, mm-hmm. you we should be able to be in an environment and be like you know that's normal that you you right, are right. you are here great but you right. know i do i it's it's my experience too whenever you know 
whenever I see any, even in social media, whenever I see anyone like achieving the 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 ultimate goal for people that want to be academia, becoming professor, and they're Latina, I'm like, oh my god, you get it? <laughs> Let's go! So excited. Yeah. <laughs> so. Whenever I see, even in institutions, like whenever I see, I like right now, I think a lot of people in, if you look on Twitter and academia Twitter, yeah. a lot of people are getting hired. And whenever I see someone being hired that are Latino, I'm like, oh, I get so pumped. <laughs> you know, I like, let's go. <laughs> so this is great. Yes. So I get excited. I get so excited. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I, I even when I, when I was in grad school, oh, so I forgot to mention this. So the, in, when I was in grad school, I was definitely very, very involved in trying to improve diversity in my program. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. So I did, I did, you know, we can go into the details of what I did later, but I, you know, I was definitely very annoying, you know, to the, to the department heads and like, we need to do this and why are we not doing this? Um, so it was really great because I was the only Latino. And then suddenly one of the professors um, was like, Hey, I need you, um, like, you know, there's there's a student, talk to them. Um, so then a student got admitted into the program who was also from Puerto Rico. So as soon as mm-hmm. he came and um, he came to the program, I was, like, so excited. I was like, oh, my God, two Puerto Ricans now in the program. What's up? This is great. Right, so, right. <laughs> so I got super excited. I'm like, oh, you're here, too. Let's go. Let's, yeah, yeah. let's improve this. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I got really excited. I was like, "Oh, you're here too. This this is great." Yes, yeah, yeah. I I think the um, um, you know, I I hate to say it, but like the onus becomes on on that individual to make it you know move forward when they see something, which is good, right? Isn't that mm-hmm. what science is? Progress, right? <laughs> Progress. Progress. Even if another. it's a bad result, right? Yeah, you're right. You know. Um, I think that the the one thing I definitely feel like I have to talk about is like ways to, you know, if you're if you're in any area, like how to improve diversity or ways that you can do that. That's my next question, um, actually. Okay, great. So that's something that I, I you know, because that's I want to talk yeah. about what I did as a grad student because maybe okay. some other people can do that. Okay. Um, and I think what else. I mean, I think, th- I mean, that's the most important thing that I like to talk about, you know, it's because okay. I, you know, I was definitely very, for lack of a better word, I was very anal about it. I was, I was very, very, mm-hmm. very annoying to them. Okay. So the first question I have is, what are ways we can diversify in STEM? Okay. So in here, so to give uh, an experience so when i was when i was when i went to uh, university of toledo you know i the first thing that i noticed that there was a lack in diversity in especially in the latino community so um when i was an undergrad in university of puerto rico in my small campus of aguadilla you know and any other campus one of the biggest conferences in stem was the abercams conference um and in, in Abercams, the main goal of the Abercams conference is to have underrepresented minorities show their research and also shop around for grad schools, right? Mm-hmm. So when I first went to Abercams, and for those that don't know, Abercams is short for the Annual Biomedical Research Conference for Minoritized Scientists, mm-hmm. okay? So in this conference, I went for the first time after my first research experience 
fell in love with the conference because it is a platform. It is a platform for minority, minority students to go show their potential and shop around for schools and look that I want to go there and this, I want to go here. And if you notice, a lot of, like, you know, if you go to that conference and you go to the schools that are advertising in that mm-hmm. conference, a lot of those schools have a reasonable amount of diversity in their programs. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the first thing that I was, you know, when <clears throat> when I started getting more comfortable chatting with, you know, the department, I was like, I I, <laughs> I went, I printed out this, the, the numbers. I, I pr- got a portfolio and I went to the Abercams website and I printed out the percentage of students that attend that are minority, the percentage of students that um, are looking to go into grad school, the amount of people that go into these conferences to look for grad schools, mm-hmm. I printed all that out and I was went to the and I went to this department and it was like, why are we not? Why don't we not have a booth here? Why are we not advertising our research program mm-hmm. and trying to recruit students from the minority population? Mm-hmm. Like why are why are we why are we not doing this? Mm-hmm. And I did this for years. It wasn't until I think like. You know, I started advocating to get representation in this program since I think I was in my first year of grad school. It took, it took me and and some other students to have to, like maybe f- three more years until someone would actually go and attend this conference. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. To this day, I don't know if that's still a thing. I don't know because I, uh, you know, for- you know, fortunately and fortunately, I, you know, I left. But I don't know if they're still attending. I don't know if that's still going. But, you know, this is a big, big place to mm-hmm. advertise your research program and get and recruit minority students. But again, it's not just recruiting, you know, students uh, from the URM population, but like how do you support them once they're there, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I... In grad school, I was definitely very adamant about, you know, we need to make sure that we, you know, how do we, how do we make them so that they can apply without spending money? Mm-hmm. How do we get them here uh, settled so that if they're alone, they can live with someone else or they can have a, like someone can help them live mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. in their place while they get situated? You know, different things like that, you know, and and, unfort- and, and and things are changing currently because when I was applying for grad school, you know, I had to apply f- uh, to the different schools. I had to pay like more than, I want to say almost $100 per application. Mm-hmm. And it's not any mm-hmm. different in med school. You know, it's mm-hmm. a lot of money to apply for med school, every application, yeah. and that adds up. And that gatekeeps a lot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that just gatekeeps a lot of people that just – are don't have the resources to be spending money on applications it is it is absolutely just blows my mind and you know the biggest things that i try to advocate is like you know what we need to stop charging students for applications no stop it no more charging Mm -hmm. you know and 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 also eliminate the gre scores there's no reason no Mm -hmm. more gre scores and, and thankfully, a lot of programs have started to eliminate the GRE scores. 
But the GRE scores don't. The, just standardized testing doesn't help the a lot of the uh, the the URM population. It just doesn't. Mm-hmm. And doesn't mm-hmm. and not just the URM population. A lot of other students just don't do well in standardized testing. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of factors into that. Especially just you know the biggest thing for me, anxiety. I was awful. I took the GRE like two times and then I improved maybe two points. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, things like, you know, if you're in a program that still requests GRE, try to get that eliminated immediately. Try to advocate to get that eliminated immediately. If there's, if you're in a program that still charges, uh, you know, money to, to apply, the, a lot of these institutions have enough money. They don't need to be taking money from students, mm-hmm. you know start advocating to eliminate those charges you know and then also you know trying to get the uh, the department involved in things like abercams or sacnas is another big one you know and and other and also going into your own population in your in your own town you know going to schools and advocating for your program being tell and talking to them how you can support them Mm-hmm. And how they mm-hmm. you, they can they can achieve a a, 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 a you know a, gr- a bachelor's or master's or PhD or associates whatever, but being supported in the institution in your own you know in your own uh, environment, right, right. Um, because you know retention is also very important, and mm-hmm. you know they just. It, it just as a whole if you know things that I try to do is just you know advocate for representation and advocate to make it easier for students to get where I'm at yeah so I mean yeah that's those are the things that you can do and you know right now thankfully you know things are revolving for the better hopefully it gets better you know, mm-hmm. there's a lot of diversity and inclusion offices and in different institutions, and hopefully those inst- those departments, uh, the diversity and inclusion, actually do, uh, you know, the what they're supposed to be doing in terms of recruiting and 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 and, and keeping. Mm-hmm. So you know, get involved with that that department and try see what they need. And then the last question I have is, how can people follow you on? social media to see how your career flourishes yeah so um if you are on twitter you can follow me on twitter uh my uh handle is armaverde <laughs> i put it just like a virus so that's <laughs> rma <laughs> i know i know i know i know you know i created my twitter and i was like i want to be a virologist so my handle is going to be a virology handle so, <laughs> I was like, see, I that went over my head because I was just like, oh, okay, some unique thing, so, sure. Uh-huh. It's because it's because my like, my initials is Armav, so I was like, oh, that sounds like a virus, Armav every day. Uh, oh, see, and now uh, yep. it comes full circle, <laughs> full circle. <laughs> So, yeah, you can find me on Twitter. Uh, handle is Armaviride. So that's R-M-A-V-I-R-I-D-A-E. Or you can just look me up by my full name. I'm sure you can find me on Twitter by my full name, uh, Roberto Ehlers Velasquez. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, you can find me on, on Twitter. Um, and uh, on my Twitter, I have a link for everything else. So Okay. And then do you have any final words for the audience before we head off? 
think final words is, you know, just once you find your journey, don't worry how you get there. Just don't worry how you get there. Just do your work little by little and you will eventually get to where you want. It doesn't matter how you get there. Just focus one thing at a time and and you'll be you'll achieve what you want. Great. Thank you so much for coming on. Appreciate the story, the labs, the explanation between about the Twitter handle. Yeah. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> Taking the time out of your busy day to listen to the Mercified Mad Podcast. Hope you enjoyed the episode. 